Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Welcome to Woman on the Line, one of Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs programs. Produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm Ayan Shirwa. Woman on the Line acknowledges this program is produced and presented on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri peoples of the Kulin Nations. We also acknowledge elders past, present and becoming as well as the owners of the lands you are hearing us from. On today's show, we speak with Inez Trumbus, founder of Negro Speaks of Books, an online platform created to host conversations about books written by authors of colour. Inez begins by explaining exactly what Negro Speaks of Books is. Negro Speaks of Books is an online literary platform designed to um, host conversations about literature by people of colour, particularly black literature. Um, And it's for predominantly people of colour, but of course, uh, white people can engage as well because, you know, they should also be reading the excellent literature of POC. And the name comes from a poem by Langston Hughes called The Negro Speaks of Rivers. And I named it Negro Speaks of Books, to firstly pay homage to Langston Hughes as the man who kind of introduced me to black literature and was a, you know, has been a favourite poet of mine since I was like six years old and I grew up with his poetry lining my bedroom walls. Um, And so he's just a very important figure to me. But also because the poem itself kind of speaks to the interconnectedness of the black diaspora by referencing all of these large bodies of water throughout the world. And I suppose I wanted to kind of hint at the way that the diaspora is connected through literature and how literature, black literature, holds a lot of wisdom that has been transferred from country to country and from generation to generation that now we have access to. Mm. And what was the inspiration (coughs) for creating Negro Speaks? Um, I had already been kind of writing my thoughts about the books that I was reading and just sharing them on social media for a little bit, um, just for fun and also to kind of be accountable to myself and the reading goals that I had. But then I just kind of thought, oh, lots of people are engaging with me. Why don't I just make it public? Because the more I kind of shared about the books I was reading, the more recommendations that I was getting. And I was like, damn, okay, there's, you know, I have a vested interest in learning more about all the excellent books and resources people are telling me about. So let me just expand. And I just made an Instagram and that was basically it. And then started connecting with lots of other black people around the world who are also doing the same thing and just talking about black books. And if we're talking five years in time or 10 years in time, what do you envision for Negro Speaks? I would really love to be able to interview authors and to have the um, yeah the platform to interview authors or also um, host literary events similar to, you know, like the panels that we might see at the Melbourne Writers' Festival, like the Wheeler Centre or whatever, but, you know, be able to either interview black people myself and have black audiences so they get to speak um, to the people that they actually are writing for and we get to hear from the people who we actually want to hear from. 
um, or be able to facilitate that space where we can just have, you know, blacked out events with black facilitators and black panellists and just have a, a real good time of it and not be, um, you know, working with white gatekeepers in the industry. So I would love to do that. And then I just, yeah, want to continue running um, my book club and just continue meeting people who want to read or who are um, readers and talk about books forever and ever. I know you did something with Still Nomads. Um, I don't want to say it was one of your first, but you did um, host a workshop. Can you tell us about that and also the feedback from those who attended? Yes, that I think you're correct in saying that it was one of like the first things that I did, which was not just me. And so Still Nomads, the African Arts Collective um, based here in Nam, um, asked me if I would facilitate a conversation about black women writers um, as part of the event that they were doing last year um, at the Melbourne Writers' Festival. And um, spoken word artist Soretti was also there to do a um, creative writing workshop, so it worked quite well. Um, it was a really interesting experience because I had never really um, talked about books publicly as myself, um, you know, not online, in real life, and also trying to facilitate a conversation about writing when I didn't know who the audience was, was a really interesting experience. Um, but it was really valuable for me to test out my facilitation skills and also get feedback from people who said that they really valued the conversation or would like to have more conversations about um, black literature and having those opinions to kind of, you know, show that, okay, there is actually a massive demand here for us to be having these conversations. How can we go forth and make more conversations happen? Mm. And you've also collaborated with other groups as well just recently, or I think you're in the process of collaborating with Invisibilia. Oh, right. I recently um, facilitated a QDPOC book club, so a book club for queer and trans people of colour with um, Invisible, which is a QDPOC organisation that holds really dope events for um, QDPOC, just all sorts of stuff from book clubs to parties and whatnot. And so, yeah, that was actually a few weeks ago and we talked about the book Heat and Light by Ellen Van Nerven, um, which is a really excellent novel made up of a bunch of short stories and it's just hella black, hella queer, ticking all the boxes. Um, and that was really great too, because again, it's like testing facilitation outside of the stuff which I run myself and um, with new groups of people who I probably wouldn't be able to engage with otherwise. It was also just really fun to be able to collaborate with Invisible because they're an organisation that I really admire and really love the work that they do. So that was really cool that they wanted to do something with me um and yeah it was just really fun Mm. let's go back let's um start with your journey into reading um black books or books by black authors when did that start so I've always been an avid reader I'm very lucky that my mom and my grandparents who I lived with when I was younger always um they constantly supported my reading and we lived in a house with a lot of books and also shout out to my school librarian who also um, really helped me have a really beautiful relationship with books when it was very easy to want to watch TV or like play, I don't know, a Nintendo DS or something. Um, 
So I've always been a reader, but um, it wasn't until a few years ago that I actually started actively seeking out black literature. Um, I can remember going, I was in Sydney for, I think my mum was working there for a second, and we went to this bookstore called Kinokuniya, which is an excellent Japanese bookstore if you're ever in Sydney. Go there, they need to open a branch here, but it's just great and like multi-story and has thousands and thousands of books. And so I was in this bookstore and I came across like an Africana section or like Africana black study section and I just freaked out because I'd never seen that many black books in one spot before. And then I just realised, oh my gosh, I actually can't name, like I don't know any of these writers. I don't know any of these names of these books. I spend all this time in bookstores and I, you know, from just being in the library all the time, you get familiar with different titles. And I just was looking at all these books thinking, I don't know who any of you are. I've never heard of any of you. This is really wild because I'm reading all the covers and they're saying Nobel Prize winner, this winner, like most famous, da-da-da. I'm thinking, how have I not come across you? And just had this like realisation that I hadn't read more than like five black books in my whole life and was just really shocked And we stayed in this bookstore for a few hours and I was just mulling over which book I would buy because I wanted to buy all of them. Um, Obviously, that's fiscally irresponsible and we don't really have budget like that, you know. Um, (laughs) But I ended up buying this book called The Destruction of Black Civilization by Chancellor Williams, who's an African-American author. And it was just about um, kind of the history of, as the name suggests, the destruction of black civilization from Africa in like... I don't know, 4,000 BC, all up until kind of present day and went through different aspects of colonialism and invasion into Africa and how um, Africa's history had been whitewashed. And so I read that and it could be a little bit hotep at times, but um, read that and was just wowed by the information that I was reading and um, all of the information that I hadn't known, which after I'd read it, they seemed like facts facts that I should know and things that I should be familiar with as an African person, as a black person. And so I read that and that was probably in 2015 or something and was a book that um, kind of set me off to read more black literature. And from then on, I started actively seeking out um, black books and books by people of colour. Then it became that my reading list was predominantly POC because I was filling in lost time (laughs) yes yes you were making up for lost time definitely I guess that's how I felt as well um when I first started um focusing on reading (coughs) books by um people of color in particular black folks and I still feel overwhelmed thinking about all the books that are out there and all the time that I've wasted so I I definitely do hear you about that On community radio around Australia, you're listening to a chat with Inez Trumbus, founder of Negro Speaks of Books on Woman on the Line. Don't forget, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. What are your favourite books and are there any books that have stayed with you for whatever reason? That is such a difficult question because I love so many books and I, I feel like I'm a really generous reader Maybe I'm not critical enough, but I feel like I like most of the books that I read um, because I can find really valuable things in them, even if I hate the character or if I don't really like the writing style. Um, so I, I 
I feel like I like too many books and maybe I'm not as opinionated mm. as other people are. Um, but I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. I hope that I'm just giving credit where credit's due. But um, a book that I read last year that really stayed with me and now I've just been recommending to everybody is The Parable of the Sower by Octavia E. Butler. And it was written in the 90s by Octavia, who was an African-American Afrofuturist speculative fiction, dystopian, sci-fi and fantasy writer. And she's kind of like one of the mothers of Afrofuturism, if you will. Um, Like she really paved the way for so much of what we see in Afrofuturism today from like Black Panther to, you know, basically everybody else who is now claiming Black Futurism, you can trace so much of that influence back to Octavia. Um, So have to pay respects to her. But so this book is set in the 90s, Said in the, no, it was written in the 90s, set in, in like 2015 and um, up to the two, 2020s. So basically in the time that we're living now and it's all about this quote-unquote dystopian earth that is in crisis from like environmental crisis. The world's crumbling because of um, global warming. There's a really terrible president in charge of the United States called President Donna. Um, Ooh right? Too close. It's a bit too close. There's like been kind of a reintroduction of slavery in the form of like, uh, you know, people working off their debts. So for all of the people, essentially the world is really expensive to live in because everything is crap. So everybody is in debt Mm. Um, or all of the poor people of color are in debt. And so they end up having to work their debts off to these massive, um, plantations and factories and they're never going to work off their debt and they're not getting paid for their work um and so Octavia just manages to bring together all of these really um a bit too close conflicts that we can see in our day-to-day um and obviously they're hyperbolic in the book and it's an exaggeration and it's dystopian um but I feel like she manages to blend everything together in a really palatable way and explain massive complex political ideas um, in a really accessible manner Mm. that makes you question lots of our current systems and how much they actually deviate from things like slavery, that we can actively say that's bad. Mm. Yeah, and when you think about it, um, especially with what's happening with the Centrelink debt and a lot of people being on debt, you know, she definitely had her finger on the pulse. and, Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because... Everyone likes to say that racism doesn't exist anymore and they don't take into consideration like servitude mm-hmm. and they don't take into consideration like other forms of slavery. Exactly. Pretty much slavery by any other name. Precisely. Um, and what's disappointing as I'm hearing you speak mm-hmm. um, for me is I always considered sci-fi or like dystopia as a white mm. genre. Yeah. And... Octavia has been writing about it forever. Right. And I think that that's really interesting that um, I think lots of black people, like I, I thought that I'd never really engage with sci-fi or fantasy apart from, I don't know, like a lot of the rings and classics such as those. But I always associated them with something that that's just something that we don't engage with. That's not something that we do. Um, that's some white people stuff. Mm. Um, but then when I started thinking about it, um, after I read Octavia and was looking at other um, like Afrofuturist authors, 
um, and black sci-fi writers like N.K. Jemisin, um, Nnedi Okorafor. Um, I just started thinking, like, no, it actually makes the most sense for us to be at the forefront of writing sci-fi and fantasy because we have the worst presence and it makes sense for us to be imagining alternative futures more than it makes sense for white people to be imagining alternative futures because mm. our alternative futures are, you know, thinking about Black Panther again and the Black Panther comics, um, they're ones where we're empowered and um, we're valuable and we matter. Mm. And white people alternative futures are all about them living lives which are far from theirs, which actually resemble, resemble ours. Um, and I think that's really fascinating. And I think that it's interesting to think about the market that there is in a weird sci-fi commodification of oppression um, that isn't actually all that creative when you think about it, because they're just writing about what poor folk, what queer folk, what black folk go through every day, except it's in like rainbow worlds with weird nature elements or something. But yeah, it seems like we should be reading sci-fi and we should be reading Afrofuturism because mm. there are worlds that we should be aiming towards that are written in those books that are wildly different from the worlds that we actually live in. Just listening to you speak about books, it's just I can I can feel that passion and that reflection. It seems like you've done a lot of work into not just reading the books, but understanding why you read it. But if you could tell us, what is the importance of reading black literature? I think there's, I think that just reading widely and reading, like, sorry to use a buzzword, but reading diversely is just important. Um, like reading for me is one of the main ways that I learn and unlearn. And when I'm um, confronted with new information or new experiences that I, you know, perspectives that differ from anything that I have ever actually lived, um, I'm really forced to confront my own privileges and my own biases. And without reading, I don't think that I would know or have the outlooks that I do now. And I owe a lot of, I owe most of anything that I know to the books that I engage with and um, consume because they really challenge me. Um, so I think that like reading widely is just an important thing for anybody to do. Um, but on the note of black literature, like black voices have historically been some of the most silenced globally, like evidently in so-called Australia with the history and ongoing present of settler colonialism obviously in relation to Africa, colonialism, slavery, but like anti-blackness is a global phenomenon. And I think that anybody who, everybody should read black literature because our voices continue to be the least heard. I think that if we engage with black literature more, people would really have to confront lots of the things which they don't, they didn't realize that they should mm. work on. Women's on a line. <laughs> Women on the line. Women on the line. <laughs> I I'm always surprised um, without going in, without like saying how old you are. You're such a young person, and you're reading 
not just the qu- quantity, but the quality of the books that you're reading. Can you tell us what it means as a young person to be reading such texts in your formative years? Again, all of my learning is done through reading and I feel really happy that I'm reading more black literature now. While I am, you know, in this phase where I, my outlook and my experiences are changing so much because of the stage of development that I'm in. Um, and I feel really blessed to be reading all the books that I'm reading at the moment because I, I don't know that in the absence of these books that I would be having the more open mindsets that I am having now. So I think that if I was engaging with literature or just media more generally that was um, more narrowly minded, I would worry for the um, outlooks that I would take into my adulthood and into my later adulthood um, because of how, yeah, in these formative years when stuff becomes concreted and your mindsets or your political ideologies are, you know, kind of birthed from your early 20s and whatnot, um, I, yeah, I just feel lucky that I'm reading black literature Mm. now and not um, still in my very narrow reading phase um, because I hope that I will just carry the openness that black literature forces me to have. For my own curiosity, because when you were in year 12, because I follow you on Instagram, but Mm -hmm. when you were in year 12... Um, which wasn't that long ago, actually. Mm-hmm. How did you manage to read so many books and also do Year 12 and also get good grades? Like, how? What, what's your secret? <laughs> um, my first secret is public transport because, you know, we're on that public transport wave. Mm. We're catching the trains and the trams for, you know, an hour, more than an hour every day to and from school. So I was just constantly reading then. And um, uh, reading was just very important to wake up in the morning and also ground myself in like positivity and uh, a positive attitude to learning because I was doing the learning that I actually wanted to do on the way to school. And then that would kind of prep me for the learning that I didn't want to do but had to do Mm -hmm. at school. Um, And so it kind of, I found a balance of being like, okay, I have to do this whack Eurocentric curriculum that I actually don't care for at all and I have to do these you know very rigid Mm. forms of assessment that aren't made for me to prosper in Um, but on the side I'm also building my own curriculum and I'm going to black school which is you know facilitated by my public libraries and my own books and um, so reading on the daily is like was self-care and um, yeah, I suppose creating a buffer to the, I don't want to swear, but you know, the BS of the, the schooling system. Um, but also I would read a lot at school in my spares and at lunchtime because I'm quite antisocial and very introverted mm-hmm. and I didn't really want to engage with people that much. So I would just read at school, pull my earphones in, read. And people always thought that there was something wrong. And I said, no, this is like the happiest that I am is when I'm reading. So don't talk to me. It's not personal. Um, So I would read a lot at school as well. Um, And yeah, just like most of my spare time is spent reading. It's my primary, it's my go-to thing. Um, I didn't have a TV a lot when we were growing up. So it has always been, you know, you're bored, you read. It's like the automatic, it's my automatic response when I don't have something to do. 
Um, so I think that if when people ask me, how do you read so much? It's like we all have the same amount of time. I'm just choosing to read more than you are. Mm. Yeah. And I think that when you actually start thinking about it, like how much do you pick up your phone? And if you're picking up a book instead of your phone, you'll probably read a lot more. Mm. And just because it's a, it's a reflex for me, it's not difficult to go through a lot of books because mm. um, I'm not thinking about doing anything else yeah. than read. And just thinking about our phones and also so, social media, reading and reading thoroughly and extensively is like an is, a, is almost like a lost art mm. when you think about it. What would you like to see in the literary scene in Australia? I just want to see more black books. I want to be able to go to the bookstore and see all the books that I see on Book Depository when I online window shop, like. I would like to have go to events and see people who are representative or their stories are representative of stories that I can relate to. Um, but I, I don't know. I was thinking about it the other day because I was at the bookstore and I was contemplating buying a book that was like $30, but it was a black book. And I thought, I don't really want to spend $30. Um, but also I need to show these people that their black books are being bought mm. because there's a misconception that there's no market and you know just like we saw when Fenty Beauty came out in Sephora all of the like brown people shades got snapped up real quick because there is a market the reason that you know retailers can't see that there's a market is because they're not actually giving us products that we can buy um and I think that if uh bookstores were selling more black books that were uh, you know, readily accessible and as affordable than lots of the other books because often I find that um, I, yeah, steer away from buying them because they're more expensive than another book because they're stocked in such low levels. And I would really be interested to see if um, booksellers retailed black books with the with the vigour that they do everybody else, what kind of sales that they'd get because I find from running my social media platforms that people are constantly inboxing me where did you buy this I can't find it anywhere and they're going and they're actively trying to seek out these books but they can't find them because no one's selling them um and so then they have to go online and then booksellers continue to think nobody wants to read this um so I would like to see uh book shops stocking more black books selling them for the same prices as all the other books and then seeing how how many book sales they get because I think that they would find that there is just as much as market for black literature as any other literature if they would stock the books. That was Inez Trambis ending on her hope for more diverse bookstores. Inez is founder of Negro Speaks of Books. If you want to check out their stuff, go to Negro Speaks of Books on Instagram and Facebook. Woman on the Line is one of Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program. It's produced and presented by a range of women broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email at womanontheline at gmail.com. Woman on the Line programs can be downloaded from our website 3cr.org.au slash woman on the line. The theme music for Woman on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by Lee Tigre.
The feature song for today's episode of Woman on the Line is Black Girl Magic by Sam the Great. Thank you for listening to Woman on the Line. I'm Ayan Shirwa and I hope you can tune in next time. I gave you for one and for I'm just for one.